previously on the ever-pleasant Mr. Bates. As from the shoulder to the hip, Jack is cut in two. I don't even say that this is a what we should do. It's a why do. You feel like. a dog's paw. <laughs> <laughs> one second, one second. Let me just... It throws up on you. Throws up Buddy shot, is but... going to crash the car. Because <laughs> he rolled a two and he immediately flips around. Like, like he turns around to see the dog and as he's turning, turns the wheel... So help me, if you lay a finger on my mother and father, you will be dead in an instant. My dear, I am blind. It's very hard to lay a hand on anyone. They move very quickly. Yeah, but you have fucking, you have spiritual ghost gooby thing. I know you just told me what it is. I am but like, still blind, though. <laughs> I don't know what scary ghosts do. They go, they cut my friend in half. Also, I remembered I banged the table earlier when I was being emotional and soz. <laughs> I, I listened through the recording. I don't hear it at all. I think BJ is just being a baby. Oh, cool. There's a part where I banged the table and I apologize to BJ. Listening through the recording, it's not even there remotely. And BJ's like, ah, my ears. I'm like, it's not in the recording. Yeah, I banged so it. And then I just... This, bang on the table. I just feel like I should pretend no, to be don't. the golden retriever or the Labrador and just... <laughs> Put your headphones on, BJ. Anyway, what? Let's go. All right. I don't want to. Ready? Make me. Someone else do my job. Yeah. Three, two, one. Hello, everyone. My name is Chester Lynn, and welcome to the ever pleasant Mr. Bates episode four Friends in Low Places. <laughs> Thank you, Meg. <laughs> she didn't like that title. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who are these dulcet tones? Well, no. The one who wasn't talking. Aubrey! <laughs> Hi, guys. It's Aubrey. Hi, Aubrey. Still here. I bumped, I bumped the special. Table. What did we say? It's a special. <laughs> and, and not in a special needs sense either, although he probably <laughs> does need a little bit of therapy. And uh, I don't know, maybe some Adderall. <laughs> probably um, a hug or two, but that might happen. No yeah, one will ask it. All right, here's the fun fact. When when we were told, like, you should probably think about getting your family out of town, Tuck, like, immediately flashes back to two memories of his parents and goes, nah, I'm not talking to them. <laughs> <laughs> this is because Aubrey, doesn't even, Aubrey didn't even put in the amount of time or thought to know as to whether his parents are either still alive or in town. Just did. They're not. Tuck <laughs> so no. was like, oh. Which one? Nah. <laughs> You'll never know. Just not going to check. Who do you you'll, blame? You'll, you'll, here's, here's what you'll know. Here's what you'd probably like to know. Tuck takes most out from his mother. He's yeah. most like his mother. Mm. Oh, wow. Mm. His mother is just, a just wild Just on that. Do, do you know what happened to, to Buddy's parent? Do I... All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point this out. Mm-hmm. So when, when um, OK that... was on the phone to her no, parents, no. Tuck doesn't remember OK's parents. There's like some, maybe some vague ideas like, oh, I think I got in trouble once. Um... Tuck never cared enough about Buddy to know anything about his parents. Oh. Um, he, he, yeah, so he knows the Harlows pretty well. 
Um, hey, Aubrey, your, mi- your microphone is pointing at your eyes and <laughs> Again. <laughs> is that better, BJ? Just yeah. get into a position where you don't need to crane your face to talk into it. Just get, you can lift it up. You can just you do anything. Just block BJ out of my see line how, of sight. See how the rest of us have the microphone pointed at our... No, everyone no. literally just has... wants to be that picture of a seagull with his head like <laughs> Everyone literally has it in a different place and position. Anyway, uh, yeah, I'm done. It's fine. Whatever. Caleb! Hi! Hello, my name is Caleb Vivian Brian Jones. I play the role of Bud Buddy Humphrey, the lovable, huggable mum friend of the group. No, I was breathing. I just almost tripped over the words and I had to change the pitch to yeah. not. It worked though. Yeah. Nobody know. thought it was weird. Cool. I didn't think it was weird. Um, it's good. As established in the last episode, uh, uh, but all animals just seem to not like Buddy <laughs> for some in- inherent reason. Um and uh, I feel like there's a story there when he was, you know, going through his city life and just constantly all the time, just like rats would steal his food or something. Just Pigeon attacks. Pigeons would attack him when he's walking down the street. He's the Stray cats boy. just fall out of nowhere, land on his head. And he's like, why? You know, every every apartment he walks past. I tried past asking them. them. <laughs> I tried asking and they wouldn't answer. Every apartment he walks by that has a small dog in it, you know, all yapping. He all he hears when he walks down streets is, is small dogs yapping, mm. and uh, mm. he thinks that's normal because he knows nothing else of the world. He's just too beefy. He's too beefy, They're and intimidated. all animals are intimidated by him. But he's he a nice like guy a once you get to know yeah. him. You know. Moving along the rounded edge of the table. Hey. Circumnavigating potentially. Oh. All right. Hey, I am. Kate McCallum. Um, I play Jessica Harlow. Um, as you guys, I hope you guys have learnt that. Every by... time you say that, I always just want to say hi, Jess, <laughs> and I always stop myself. <laughs> no, you should next episode. <laughs> Specifically, um, just Jess. Just yeah, Jess. Just Jess. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, so, fun fact about Jess: even though she is a manager of Blockbuster, she does not watch movies. So, anytime someone asks her for a recommendation, she'll just pick up a DVD. And like hold it and like read the blurb, like as she's like giving eye contact. So she'll read the blurb on the back of the box, and like will recommend people just by picking things up. And everyone's like, "Wow, Jess, you must watch so many movies. Like you always pick the best one to recommend to me." And she's just like, "I don't watch movies." Um, so that's why she's been so successful because she reads the blurbs. Mm, so yeah, that's good. that's Jess. Very good. Yeah. Continuing around the curvature of the earth. <laughs> I'm in China. In which um, case you listen to the wrong podcast. <laughs> I don't know about it. Alright, so my name is Meg and I play Olivia Kelly. Um and Hi Olivia. Hi, Hi Trista. Um and <laughs> Is that Meg or Olivia talking? Yeah. Chester is a real person in this world. Yeah. Um, He's the god of this universe. Mm-hmm. Blasphemy. Um yeah, so Liv is generally, like, one of the fun facts. She just loves food, which mm. is why she she doesn't have any particular friends in the group, but she's got 
closer connections with Buddy simply because he supplies food all the time. <laughs> it's more of a parasitical relationship. It's really. a very yeah. parasitical. Love me, feed me, and I'll never leave because I can't afford to pay myself feed myself. Yeah, basically, <laughs> she she's doesn't like, really give him anything in return. But... No, oh, jeez, she gave him a set of chef's knives that he still loves, so that he could make her more food. Yeah, I well, see. Well, just how so that yeah. he wouldn't squash the uh, sushi that he was making. But um, oh, so needy. You need to read the stories that I wrote. I, I wrote four of them. I will you just took buddy, over the entire group chat one day. I was like, like I, I will say, buddy, hey, buddy I'm does, not reading that. Buddy does not use those, those Mostly because I wanted to go to bed. Really? No, because he's gotten better knives now. Because he, he went from, you know, being a poor boy to being now, you know... A, Decently rich boy. He's literally the most mm. wealthy out of everyone yeah. here. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. He's the most yeah. financially stable. Yeah, yeah Liv's parents um, are the only one who are more, like, wealthy than he is. He's also, <laughs> the only reason why they're more wealthy debt. is because they have property. Yeah. yeah. That's the only difference. didn't want to ruin the knives, mm. so he's put them in, like, a display case to just, like... You know, that way this knife doesn't get damaged. No. And, you know, no. the gift stays forever. Oh, by the way, listeners, it was a set of damask steel chef knives. Oh, Researching knives. Yeah, because Liv is an aesthetic kind of person. So, yeah, and her favourite food is marshmallows with, like, toasted coconut over the top. Mm. Mm. Wow. Mm, quite nice. Yonder, across the table. Hello, Yonder. it is I, the... Hark, the boy from the far lands. Mm. Far lands, not oh, you, fart lands? Yeah, I thought you said fart lands. I did. Oh, okay. <laughs> that is disgusting. Get out of the podcast. All right, bye. <laughs> I banish thee to the dining room. <laughs> the dining Hi, everyone. Room. My name's BJ. Hey, BJ. I play Tully Jackson. Uh, okay, fun <laughs> fact about Tully Jackson. He has very little to no concept of like bands, like musical artists, mm. he, or genres, or like specific songs. So he knows roughly what kind of music he likes, but just he has no concept of who writes the music, who performs it, what the song's called. He's like, oh, this one. Yeah, yeah, I know that one. Cool. So has he ever listened to Tuck's uh, one good song, Bear Trap? Yeah, probably. He wouldn't, he wouldn't know. know that he it's wouldn't done. know. Because he, like, he listens to ACDC and he's like, I feel like I've heard these guys before, maybe. I don't know. Whatever. Is that my friend? Mm. He's like, he's just never listened to an album. He only ever listens to the radio. <laughs> so he just doesn't like... Look, to be fair, I think Tuck and Tully probably consider each other like acquaintances, mm. or, like colleagues. Yeah, pretty much. Wow. I'm like, I, I feel like friends? somehow or other of everyone in the group, BJ and I have just like, yeah, our characters don't really like each other. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. It I think, makes yeah, sense. I think probably Tuck's point of view, he's like, that's just too many emotions to deal with. I don't want to deal with that. Tully's just like too much yeah. glitter. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and like cheap cologne. Yeah, uh, I don't yeah. know. No, exactly. That's, a, yep. Uh, he's like, he is just like a walking chemical factory all the time. Oh. Um, and yeah, he just stays away from Tuck because he's less likely to get hit if he does. Yep. Okay, moving the microphone over now. Oh boy. Hello again. It's me, Mike O'Reilly. And I still don't know what to say here because I don't have a... Yeah. <laughs> Tell us a fun fact about you, Mike. Tell a fun fact about me. But make sure it's fun. Uh, 
Um, Doesn't sound fun. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I like musical instruments a lot, and I started learning the jaw harp, if you heard of that. Musical nerd. <laughs> Look here, bro. <laughs> You're like harps Mike a lot. Caleb, we get ha- out. <laughs> I, that's we, the only one. We had a ke- no. We had a D and D campaign where you insisted on playing the mouth harp. Yeah, it's the you? jaw harp. Is the term for it. Get it right, Aubrey. Anyway. Jaw harp. <laughs> yes. Yeah, come on, Aubrey. Cool. Anyway, yes, yeah, exotic instruments nerd? like that are my my thing. You think? <laughs> yeah. Um. But apart from that, I'm just playing a heap of voices. Can I make a request, Micah? Can you learn how to play the hurdy gurdy for me? Oh, <laughs> yes, I've yes, been told please to do, do that. that. Just for the name, <laughs> just for the uh, just for the podcast. I want hurdy gurdy music. It's so, hard to find yeah. stuff. It's the coolest sounding. I really shouldn't be talking because yeah. I don't have a microphone. <laughs> it sounds so good. Just so whenever we're like, if we're ever in a band or something, it's like, oh yeah, he's on bass. Oh yeah, he's on guitar. Oh yeah, he's on hurdy gurdy. What a chat. What a chat. <laughs> but honestly, the Look band would struts in here. The band would have I to be called Hurdy and the Gurdies. Hurdy and the Gurdettes. Yeah, it would be Micah and the Gurdettes. Sure. <laughs> anyway, mm. welcome to another episode of the Ever Pleasant Mr. Bates, episode four: Friends in Low Places. Let's get into it. West suburbs of Mercy's Creek, we follow a white van with the words Town Services written on the side. Its tyres rolling slowly along the winding roads bordered with white picket fences. Ain't natural, I tell you. The human animal ain't ever supposed to congregate like this. These towns and cities, we solitary creatures. Dangerous ones at that. The fact that the only thing stopping people from gouging each other's eyes out is some social rules of behaviour. None of it's real. It's all mental. Ain't nothing stopping the old lady down the road from snatching up the kids playing cricket on the walkway, cooking them up for tonight's stew, and ain't nothing stopping the kid's old man from coming over and smashing her brains out all over the dining room table. It's all just social rules and how we behave, drilled into us from the school and by the government. All a bunch of rubbish. Communist rubbish at that. Got mega commie vibes. A voice crackles over the radio. James, you live in a two-bedroom house on Jordan Avenue. You can't talk about shit. You didn't even finish high school. You know about psychologies. I picked up a book about all in the library. Who's it written by? You can't trust everything in the library. Of course you can. Why would you be in the library if it wasn't good to read? I'll lend it to you sometime. I don't think that's what you're supposed to do with library books. The car rolls along, passing more and more houses and spitting the brown, fallen leaves up into the air as it goes. Soon the houses begin to leave it behind as the van trolleys its way into the cover of the trees and along a dirt track. The car bumps and shakes as it goes across the uneven strip. Jesus, you know Sam is more than able to do this job on his own. 
Sam hasn't been responding to his radio. No shit. The signal's always terrible over here. He's probably just slacking off. McCarthy Street's been having water issues all day. We gotta get it sorted now, or you'll be up there with a flashlight tonight, James. Yeah. The van trundles its way up the slope, bordered by trees on every side, till it reaches a small, shady clearing. James parks the van and hops out. He's wearing a pair of stained overalls with the badge Mercy Creek Water and Sewage Repairs. Beneath that is a phone number. James throws open the sliding door of the van and pulls out a toolbox. He turns around and surveys the area. He sees a similar van to his parked on the other side of the clearing. And between the two cars stands the sewer opening, built almost like a well turned on its side, so the dark hole faces outwards. The thick grate has already been unlocked and swung open. It stands in this forest, a bizarre alien sort of thing. Man-made, unnatural, gloomy, made of old greyed bricks and covered in moss and ivy. James remembered the story his teacher had told him. The reason they built the main manhole this far out was because they had to concrete the old one up. Too many kids had disappeared down the old one, never to be seen again. Just up and gone. One moment playing soccer on the front lawn, next they're gone, and the manhole cover is up. This came with a paranoia for a while. People swearing they heard the voices coming from the sewer openings. Coming up from the shower grate, echoing from public toilets. The chitter-chatter of children's voices. The lost kids. Wandering in the sewers in hopes of rescue. Like some sort of grotesque Peter Pan story. The lost boys down in the sewer with Captain Hook and the crocodile. Not the sort of Neverland he had imagined, but in this messed up world, it might just be the case. James itched closer to the hole. Still lost in thought. None were ever found. Some say the kids were taken down there, stolen by a Pied Piper sort of bloke, luring them in with toys. Sweets, maybe. Even balloons. Some say there was more than just kids down there. But 60 years ago, the decision was made. Parents who had lost kids tried to stop them. But we all knew, if any of the kids had gone down there, they were long dead. So they poured, and they filled it, and the reports of voices never stopped. Not till those who were old enough to remember it had all either died or moved away. It took it to leave living memory for the voices to die away. James adjusts his overalls. God, I hate this job. He stares down the dark manhole, almost expecting to see them. The lost boys come walking up, out like a crowd in a zombie movie. But nothing came. The darkness just stared back, almost breathing back at him, as cold air. The exhale of the darkness emanated out from the pit, brushing over his face, even though he stood several metres back from it. It felt like that moment when someone opened their mouth, perhaps to shout, maybe to scream. That moment before the noise came. Yet, no noise came, and that made it worse. The apprehension, the waiting, the pause, the breathing in and out, in and out. The rusty old bars like teeth, gnashing, tearing, biting. 
James was frozen. Why was he so scared? He rarely had to do this, and hell, he wasn't even alone this time. Sam was in there somewhere. Hey, Sam. No response. Sam, it's James. Silence. James knew why he was scared. People were disappearing. He had heard Father Brunswick talk about it last Sunday and read about it on papers. Amelia Kelly's segment always cut through the politics of the town and told it like it was. Strange folk were in town and the sheriff wasn't doing the damn thing, trying to pretend it wasn't happening. This wasn't like the Reed killings from ten years ago. Sure, that was scary, but they all knew who it was, right? Just a messed up guy. Give me a bat and a few beers and I've put him down myself. But this, this was like back then. James could feel it in his bones, the mystery, the fear. People were disappearing. Skipping town, sure. Having a mental episode and running off into the woods, maybe. Or were they going back? Were they going back in the sewers? James remembered all those sleepless nights before his teacher had given him the full story. If you don't be good, James, you'll go in the sewer like the others. And they'll never find you. God, he had hated that old woman. His English teacher. She taunted him with that story because she knew it had scared him. Had. Hell. It scared him to this day. Sam, for God's sake. Answer me. Nothing. James looked back to the van. He could leave, but how would he explain this? You don't just call up your boss and say, Hey, sorry, couldn't do it. Little James, he got scared because his mean old teacher used to tell him stories about a bunch of kids in the sewers. Don't take a job for the town managing the waterways then. That'd be the best answer, but with no high school diploma, he didn't have many options. James put a torch from his toolbox and began to take steps towards the sewer. He placed a hand gingerly on the rusted old bars. Rust ground off it as he hoisted himself up into the hole. It was large enough for him to stand only slightly bent over. Sam? Only his slightly shaky voice echoed back. He began to walk slowly down the path, the torch casting only enough light to see a few metres in front of him. Soon the water came as the path began to dip down. His feet began to slosh in the grey water, the water lapping at his ankles. The smell soon reached him too. Bad water. If he wasn't so on edge, he might never have noticed the sound of grinding metal as the metal bars a few metres behind him were slowly pulled shut and latched. James froze. He spun around and made direct eye contact with Sam, a younger man with messy brown hair and a strange look in his eye. James's voice gurgled in his throat, unable to make words. Sorry, pal. We can't all be saved. Some of us need to eat. Sam smiled at those eyes, those damn eyes. James tried to shout, get angry, get furious, but the sound wouldn't come. Sam smiled 
just before beginning to walk back. Another man joining him. Sam got into his van. The other man, somehow, twirling James's keys around his finger, walked to James's van, hopped in and started the engine. James began to move now. He shouted, he screamed, he collided with the bars, putting his full weight against them. He didn't care if this was some tasteless prank or not. The fear, the panic was setting in. Not just because they were leaving him, no. Not just because of Sam's bizarre look. Not just because of them stealing his keys, no. Mostly because he could hear them. And this wasn't just in his head. It was too loud, too close. He could hear voices and he could hear the sound of feet coming from down the sewer. And now, as he stood, his back to the gate, light streaming past him into the hole, he watched them approach. Glazed expressions, just like Sam. And with a horrible, unnerving, sympathetic smile upon their faces. As if they were rather sorry and a little embarrassed about the situation. As they grabbed him and began dragging him into the depths of the sewers. And soon, the voices are nothing but distant echoes soon dying away till there is nothing, and he has joined the Lost Boys. Good to see. Uh, you mind if I uh, borrow you for a questioning session? I need to ask you a few questions about uh, joining my team. Thought like that would really work well for you. And uh, yeah, how are you um. doing? <laughs> <laughs> Just for context, Liv and Tuck have now been accosted in the middle of the street on the way Is to what's the florist <laughs> and grocer. I thought we'd go to the florist. Yeah. This isn't the florist. <laughs> no, you walk, you ta- walk. Ta- ta- <laughs> you're walking past the um, the town hall, like, yeah, we got to go there after, you know, have a look at the knife or that. Mm. Hey, William! <laughs> uh, Tiger's hey, just, like, squinting. He's like... Alright. Um, yeah, try, just try to place you. Yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, All right, Mendoza, okay, Mendoza starts or? to ferry you into the town hall. Just me or both? Just you. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, okay. I, I if guess. okay wants to tag along, she can. <laughs> Liv just kind of like grabs onto the back of Tuck's shirt and she's like hanging her head, looking like a small elephant attached to like their mother's tail by the trunk. <laughs> All righty. All right, you make your way into the town hall. Polished floor, little uh, display cases all over the place, trophies, pictures of the town, items, all that type of stuff. And Mendoza's ferrying in. There's the sounds of chitter-chatter and business people walking around their suits and all that business, business, business. Da-da-da-da-da. Give me that spreadsheet. Numbers, numbers, numbers. Um, Numbers, numbers, numbers. (laughs) Uh, Tax evasion, tax evasion, tax evasion. (laughs) Um, All that type of stuff. And Mendoza spreads his arms. He's like, 
Welcome to the town hall, my crib. My hot damn, my hot, yeah. Thank you. Are you okay? Do you need to sit down or something? I am full of energy, man. I've just been... Is that what that is? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Looking up some new things that, to add and, you know, make people want me as the mayor. You know, like roundabouts. I think that's what we need. Yeah, that famous Canadian Institute roundabouts. Yep. Right, so you said you had questions... Um, OK also has questions that I've forgotten. So, OK, maybe while he's asking questions, you can write down the questions that we have to ask him so we don't forget. OK. All right, shoot. <laughs> Good luck, Micah. <laughs> OK. How do you feel about roundabouts? <laughs> You're the one who said once you had questions. You, once you fake shake roundabouts, you like the flat ones or the ones with the garden in the middle. <laughs> I mean, look, if I'm being honest, I think roundabouts... Oh, no, I can't make that reference because it came out later. For, for all you time travel, it's, it's a pretty good yes song. What's the deal, Will? The Marsh name, man. It just works so well. I don't know why I'm turning into Trump. <laughs> it's, it's, Micah, it's the hand gestures. What a cronk hand gestures. Will it? The Marsh name... Oh, I did it again. It's fine, it's fine. Oh. It sounds great. Just roll, just roll. Oh, gosh. Just um, turn him in front of the guy, push him down some stairs. <laughs> he rolls. Just, just roll. roll with it, just roll with it. Um, just, just keep doing it. Yeah, I think I think you on our team will be the most amazing thing. <laughs> You're gone. That will ever happen. The Marsh name under, uh, on our team... Knock it out of the park. Better than shish kebab. Tuck's mouth is just sort of open. <laughs> Internally, there's just like the the dial-up tone in his brain. Oh, <laughs> just go go stop with the hands. The... Hands, on, uh, sit on your hands. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> your father was a great man, and uh, you being his son, I guess you know apples don't fall far from the tree. So. I feel like you'd do a great job as a selectman. Right. Um, well, I guess I think I remember Dad's formula. It was day drinking uh, and then, yeah, throwing a hissy fit every time he came home. I reckon I could probably handle that if that's what you're looking for. I don't, don't mean to, you know, get in front of your ways, but uh, whatever works, that'll be 10 out of 10. Right, I, I didn't think I was going to... Have a career in politics. This isn't politics at all. It's just uh, mostly crick, man. Right. Um. All right. Well, I got a, I got a question for you. How do you feel about just I don't know putting a, putting a highway through the <coughs> middle of the town? How does that sound? There already is one. Mercy's the Mercy's the highway. Right. Do you reckon we could convince them to just put a a really big roundabout here? Roundabout on the highway, William. Bit too bald for me, but uh, we'll, we'll see, I guess. Yeah, right. Uh, I rolled a six, and I have nothing to intelligence, so that's literally smack in the middle of the boys. Like, look, I got stuff to do, so tell you what, uh, scissors, paper, rock. If I, I like win, it. no. <laughs> if you win, I guess, yeah. 
Sounds like a plan. Just a correction. In America, it's rock, paper, scissors. We're not in America. We're in Canada. Same difference. It's the the continent of America. Hmm. Yeah, we've been calling it Utes. I'm like, it's a truck. But it's fine. We'll go with the Ute. All right. Uh, so are we I doing this? I censor myself. <laughs> I mean, look, folk. I'll be honest. The way my career is going, this is makes about as much sense as anything. All right. Ready? Scissors, paper, rock. All right. Double, Double scissors. scissors, paper, rock. All right, I win. No, no thanks. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. That's unfortunate. I feel like you'd be up for the job. Look, right. actually, hold on. I didn't think about this. How much money do I get? Oh, you don't get paid. <laughs> All right. See you later. For your life. We got tab meeting tomorrow. Was it tomorrow? Yeah, tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. Nice. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't miss it. Um, I got, yeah, nowhere else to be. Nothing else going on in my life. I'll keep a chair warm for you. Right next to me. Oh, that's, that's not a good sound. Um, all right. Um, all right, I guess we're going. Okay. Oh, wait, no, okay, you have things? Mm, yeah, I do. Oh, all right, oh, rapid wow. fire. Like, you used to this, yeah. aren't you, Mendoza? Okay. Easy, easy. Hold on, hold on. We gotta, like, first, Chester, what questions would Liv be asking based on the information that Willow gave them? Um. She's asking about the knife. She's asking about town history. I'm just gonna warn you. Mendoza. So, uh, Mr. Mendoza, what do you know of this knife? Uh, she says as she indicates towards the knife with rune drawings on it. Knife, knife, knife for chopping. Cutty, cutty. Um, looks a bit, uh, looks a bit moldy. I wouldn't use that for the kitchen, but, uh, sure. Uh, all right, um, head selectman. Um, what do you know of the town history? It's a beautiful town. <laughs> town history, right, right. Yeah, I mean, highway, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, lots of stuff has happened here. Uh, professional games of uh, roly-polies and uh, golf and, yeah. Um, yeah. All right, I got a question. <laughs> it just occurred to me. Uh, where did all the money go from the retirement funds? Oh, great seeing you. I gotta leave uh, doors yes, that way. Uh, thank you for your yeah, time, Mr. Works. Head Selectman. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Aces. As they turn and walk away, Liv's just gonna whisper, What a space cadet. Oh, is that some of your 90s slang? Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Space cadet. Right. All right, florists. Mm hmm. You know where a beehive is? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you guys exit and we pan away from the town hall and we crane up over a few streets and move along Joyner Avenue. We head up this road and we find a rather, a little bit more beat up looking yellow rental (laughs) parked on the side of the road and we see Tully and we see Buddy walking very slowly through like thigh-high long brown grass, cutting across the fields to the only way they know how to get to Frank Hill's house, which is behind the Hampton Mansion. So you guys are sloshing your way through this incredibly long grass. So, uh, who are we seeing? Uh, Willow said we should go see Frank Hill. So who, who is Frank Hill? 
Uh, you know, Frank. Chester, who is Frank? <laughs> who is Frank? <laughs> Does, so, do we know who, like, do we know you have him? a general knowledge. So Frank Hill was the groundskeeper and caretaker of the Hampton Mansion. So the Hampton Mansion, prior to you guys being born, was basically the um, town's main, like, tourist attraction type of thing. So it was... Okay. Um, well beloved but has slowly fallen into complete decay but Frank Hill has always been the caretaker his father was the caretaker before him they've always looked after the property uh, the property was then bought super cheap by an investor in England and has kept Frank running the place basically <sighs> thank you Meg <laughs> thank you Meg it's okay she doesn't have a microphone now <laughs> no that's that's the dog sneezing after that <laughs> The dog's the do- still it's them. also starting to cry a little bit as well. The dog, Aww. the dog is sitting in the back of the car, peering through it, squinting at you guys. Um, oh, we didn't bring the dog. Hmm? We didn't bring the dog. Did you bring the dog? You can bring the dog. Yeah, I'll bring the dog. Okay, the dog's coming with you, squinting at you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I would like to give the dog a, a chicken, half a chicken sandwich this time, as like an incentive to follow. No. No. <laughs> He's like holding it half in his mouth and just slowly like sucking it in. <laughs> Slow. Okay, so, uh, yeah, Tully replies to me. He's like, yeah, you know, Frank, so uh, the Hampton Mansion, which is over that ridge just over there, uh, Frank has been the caretaker there since, like, long before we were kids. Um, So I think what Willow wanted us to talk to him because he's, like, kind of on the outskirts and maybe not completely mad, I hope, as well. I don't know what I'm doing here. I just heard Frank Hill's name and I was like, okay, I'll go see Frank Hill. I guess, you know, got to do something. You, you know, honestly, I, I I was way too poor to ever go to the Hampton Mansion. Um, oh, no, I never. Well, I broke in that one time. So the Hampton, was, you guys remember the Hampton Mansion is the place you went to go see for that ghost story. The Hampton Mansion has been abandoned and oh, decaying okay. your yeah. entire lives. Yeah, where well, you smashed Chad with um, a gravestone. Yeah. So Frank Frank's main okay. job now is keeping kids away from the Hampton Mansion because it's too dangerous to go into. Wait, Tolly, is is that the place where where we had the the fight in the in the in the graveyard? Oh, oh yeah, no, that that was that was at the mansion, wasn't it? Yeah, with um, yeah, yeah, with those those guys those that tried guys. to yeah that tried to beat us up. I remember that. That was that was a weird day. Yeah, man. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember any. I think I remember blind, blinding a guy with mm. a paint can. I'm pretty sure that happened. Mm, yeah, yeah. That, that no, day. but that was yeah. So yeah. He, uh, so Frank Hill's uh, hut is just like on the other side of where we were that day on on the graveyard side. <gasps> Who are those guys? You know, I I don't think I I remember. Oh no no, it was uh, it was soccer Brad and yeah, uh, Massacus uh, Chad or mm-hmm. Massacus Chadicus or whatever his name was. Yeah, soccer Brad and Massacus Chad. Mm, and not, a Scottish one. And like some other guy. That <laughs> <laughs> was also a Scottish guy. That's okay. I don't remember those names. Thank yeah, you. I, I don't think Thank you, notebook in my head. <laughs> I don't think I remember that at all. That ne- guy never was... heard of Masochist Chad. No, you remember him. No? His name was Masochist Chad because no, he was really messed up. You remember that. No, no. I, I, anyway, I we're here now. And I knock on the door. <laughs> 
You're not there yet. So you guys. <laughs> Never mind. We're not there yet. Let's keep talking. Who else was there? Through, through waist uh, high grass there was a Scottish guy. We, we okay, got. Hold on. No. So you guys are making your way around the Hampton Mansion. As you are walking around it, it does draw your eye and draw your attention. It is a large, gothically designed building. It is the the roof is starting to actually slump in the middle, and with the placement of the windows, it's it's like it's glaring at you as the door hangs half ajar. And but you are just your attention is just completely drawn to it, just completely focused on it. You've never been this close to it. Frank would always come running out of his hut yelling at you guys uh, most of the windows are smashed because of kids with really good aim what would you like to do? Uh, hello F- Frank so you're calling into Hampton Mansion <laughs> hey Frank no, I'm calling like away from the mansion the 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 um the t- the hut is quite a ways away oh, okay. from this. It's near the border okay. of the trees. This is in the middle of the field. This. Oh, uh, sorry. Yep. I see. Yeah. You, you know, I don't think we ever got this close to to the mansion before. No, I think that one time in the graveyard is the closest I ever been. I don't like it. You guys hear a smashing sound coming from the Hampton Mansion. I really uh, no, I don't, don't like. like we this. should maybe go go. Let's uh, and Tully starts like mo- <laughs> we'll go moving along the. We'll go. Is there like a veranda or something? We'll go. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm, like, so it's a bit of a walk up. It's on a little bit of a hill. And there's a veranda that kind of skirts around it. But you going up means you have to then go back down to go. We're trying to get to yeah. to the hut though. Not yeah, you can go completely around it and avoid it. No, I'm I'm so I'm walking along the veranda around because do I hear what side the the other side so you're thinking that the way that all the windows are broken here this is because this is the side that faced towards the school so this is where kids ran the other side is kept mostly fine because that's where Frank's house is and he would stop any kids from getting that close so there are no broken windows on the other side so if anything broke it's from the other side the dog you you do notice now more because you can hear it than anything the dog is growling at the house it's moved up onto the balcony as well, and it's peering through the open door, growling. Oh boy! I'd... But, but he's gonna mm. lean down and go, "What is it, Yoki? What's up? What do you hear?" Yeah, I, I thought okay. you know, like it, it, it's kind of, it's kind of, kind of cute, you know. It, yeah, that I don't care. Um, um, oh, okay. Um, no, not about not. I mean, you hear footsteps in the building. Ooh, okay. Uh. We should probably, yeah, we should probably, probably like, uh, we'll go, we'll go around. Yeah, be, no, we'll go, beeline. we'll go around. Beeline. Go around. Come, yeah, yeah. Come on, boy. Come on. Let's go around. Yeah. As you begin to walk around, the dog is still growling at the door, but begins to follow you. And as you start to turn around the side of the house, you hear the sound of the door closing. The front door? Mm-hmm. So it was slightly ajar and it's now been closed. Okay. I'm going to look back mm-hmm. the way we came. I'm guessing we've like rounded the corner by now. Yep. Uh, just a five. Uh, just with with the seven for for look. If there's like any windows to look through. Okay. You're looking through the bordering windows here. Uh, Tully, you look through and there's no one at the door. At least not that you can see. It has been a second, so you're not sure. Um, and you get the feeling of oh, they could just move to this wall here and be ducking underneath the window. Uh, buddy, you are peering around as well and you take a few steps along, trying to peer through another one, and there is a crunch sound as your foot goes through the floorboards of this balcony bit, through a rotten patch, and you sink to one knee as your leg goes completely through. Ah! 
Tilly hears that and he comes running around and is like, buddy, buddy! Uh, oh, uh, you're okay. <clears throat> okay. Yes. That worried me for a second. I'm just stuck. Tilly's going to help you. How? Hang on one second. It tried to eat you, did it? Wait, wait. Roll to see if you can help lift up, buddy. Two. Okay, I got 11. So. Okay. Um, roll a d4 of damage. Oh. That's it. He's One. dead. One. Yay. Okay. It scraped it up a bit. It's not bleeding. It's just scraped up because it pushed the pants leg up. And mm. there are like a few lines because it's a pretty jagged floorboard that's like scraped up against you. Your knee has a few little cuts in it because that extended out. So it bashed into it. You'll probably guess your arm going to have a bruise on the bottom part of my knee. But yeah. Come on. Tally, like motioned as though he was going to go and help you but he's like still kind of freaked out so he moved really slowly like still looking back and by the time he turned around you were just up yeah. like, like pistol like <laughs> squatted myself out of <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, the okay. dog is still growling uh, can I see where the dog is like pointing to it's or? looking it's looking kind of towards the window you guys were looking at before um, but its head so is kind of it seems like it's darting around a little bit so, what do you want to do? Uh, I would like to leave. Uh, I would mm. like to say that we can blame the wind, but we have seen some unholy things in our time, in, in, in these few days here, and uh, I, I'm i kind of on the fence of whether or not we should inspect it or yeah, let's run leave. away. But you yeah. hear the sound on the other side of the house of glass hitting the ground. So you heard a window break. So now you assume something's going through the window. Let's On leave. The other side? Yeah, so the house is facing Frank Hill's place. Oh, it's oh. facing. The dog's gone quiet. And its ears are back and it's like down a little bit. It's I'm, no longer squinting. I am going to pick up the dog. Yep. See. It's a big Labrador. I am a big man. <laughs> you are a big man. Okay, yeah, you can do it. It's like um, a little yap dog for you. Yeah, he looks like he's just picking up a chihuahua or something. <laughs> um, and the the other side was Frank Hill's place, right? Yeah, yeah, we're on the far side from um, where his hut is. Oh, okay. You hear Idea. footsteps coming up behind you. Oh, okay, I'm coming around the other side of the balcony. Who's so from hello. the front door coming around? Um, let's jump off the balcony so that we have. More space, or or um, we'll um, do something. Uh, with a ten plus two, Tully is already on the other side of the railing, right. <laughs> and he is walking away from that, like facing the house, stepping away from it. Uh, with with the seven. Wait, wait, wait. Hold plus. on. No, no, no. Disadvantage for the dog. Oh, that was a 12 on the floor. Got a 12 on the floor. So uh, with with a 7, with I imagine that's physical, so that's plus 3. So that's a 10 to jump over the railing with the dog. Okay, yep. You jump over, you land a little bit heavier, your leg is still a bit Mm. meh, um, and you start to walk over, and the two of you roll to see. Roll to vision. Roll for vision. 10 visions for me. Five visions for me. (laughs) You're looking at the dog, which is still going completely silent, like way too silent. Mm. Uh... Tully, you see someone running. They're now off in the distance because they've been running a little while across the field and they disappear into the trees. Do I see who it is with a ten? You see it's a woman. Okay. Mm-hmm. And she disappears into the trees. Do I get any idea of age? 
uh, from the way they're running, middle-aged, not young, but not old. Okay, and like hair color or? Uh, blonde. Okay. It's not Jess. <laughs> Jess is middle-aged. You can, you can cross that one out. Mm, she looks 45. Jess? Jess. And once, and once again, you hear those footsteps coming around now on your side of the balcony, and there is a... As Frank Hill is now standing on the top of the balcony, pointing his gun down at you both. Tully it's just shoots Frank. his hand up, hands up so fast, he's like Frank, hi, oh, hey, hey, we are here. Put the gun down. <laughs> what are you children doing on my property? No, we were. Well, we, we were coming to fight, weren't we? Buddy, yeah, we, we were coming to find you, right? We're coming to see you, Frank. Um, I'm going to see you, yeah. Ju- like, we came to and see you. And then we you. heard noises in the house and decided to investigate. Yeah. Because you weren't here to investigate. See, our dog. Um, I don't like it when you look at me like that, the, Frank. To the house, and we had to, you know, get the dog. Yeah. And, no, the dog um, came here before we. Yes, that is exactly. That is what happened. Yes. And then we heard something in that we heard, like, glass and, like. Yeah. Frank, like, looks up a little bit. Not taking in any more than what you says. You heard something in the house, and he spins around. They went that way. Marches over to the front door and kicks it open, and starts walking into the house. Where? <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> into it. Yeah. Inside the house. There is a pause as you hear him marching around upstairs, downstairs, and he comes back out. You broke the window. No, I've already loaded no. this gun, so I can't do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Breaks the shotgun, takes the shells out, reloads it. Fires straight up through. <laughs> Bang! Oh, forgot the second barrel. Bang! <laughs> no, no, we didn't. No, we did we, buddy? No, we didn't, we that didn't was break the, nothing. The sound that broke the window. Yeah, the sound. No, that was the person that we heard that made the sound. Yeah. Oh, a person. He's mothering. He's scared. He doesn't know what he's talking I about. Mean, she went that way. I saw nobody else. No, but that's what I'm, we did. We were here before uh, you were. I only see two kids and a dog. Yeah, and because she ran that way, I saw somebody running away from the house that way, Frank. He keeps his his face directly at you, and his eye just turns and looks the direction. <laughs> 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 Sorry, yeah, that was my bad. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that, yeah. That way. Yeah, the direction he was pointing in. That way. Yeah, that You make fun of me? I know you two. I've seen you before. You're the slanky one, and you're the obese one. <laughs> Frank, you're shaking, Frank. That can't be good. <laughs> I don't think he used to shake that much. And just sit down and just have a think about that for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no. We I'm sorry, he's gonna, he's gonna like, I know you, you're, f- you're Francis something, or like, you're completely different Completely different Yeah, yeah, you're go for it. You're that Frederico guy, eh? Mm. No. No, uh, it's it's me. And you're his friend. Tom. <laughs> no, he's no, crazy. crazy. Tom, sorry. Julio. <laughs> no, Frank, we're, I, I'm Buddy. That's, that's Tully. Um, I'm, I'm Tully, that's Buddy. Yeah, that's Tully. You're I'm Frank. Buddy. You're Frank. That's the dog. We uh, and we're here to talk to you uh, because you're a, a, a highly respected member of this society. All right. Hurry Sounds... up. The ivy's good. 
for listeners, Michael just did a real weird thing on his <laughs> So good. I wish this podcast had video. Um, I'm glad it doesn't. Well, you, you don't like Micah's face? What's wrong with Micah's face? What are you saying? What are you saying about Micah? Saying he's obese. <laughs> That's very rude, Kate. Be better. Holy do-gooder. Yeah. Let's go and talk. Let's go and, let's go and talk. You yeah. ain't going nowhere. We mean going to talk right yeah, now. Yeah, no, Three we're, you know. I <laughs> think uh, you should do it. You should, yeah. just, you should just do it in a really serious, threatening tone. Yeah. Yep. You ain't going nowhere. I got you for three minutes. Oh, okay. Okay, no, three minutes. We can do three minutes. Three minutes is fine, right? Yeah. Do you want to talk or I'll talk? You talk. Okay, you, I'll talk. You talk. So, hey, Frank. Uh, yeah, so it's me, Tully, and Buddy. We used to live here when we were kids, and now we're back for a bit uh, because of our friend. Any- uh, yeah, long story. Mm. <clears throat> Have you noticed anything weird? He looks at the, like, one closed eye and very lopsided mouth of this shaky man with a shotgun. He's like, Have you seen anything weird lately around the town? I've seen a bunch of kids walking on my property. Sure, but anything other than that that's, like, unusual, like, people not being who they're supposed to be or, like, re- random people in town that you haven't seen in a while or have never seen before, not including us two, because we already... Well, that was that. I was just about to say that. Yeah, no, we know who we are. We don't need... <laughs> A couple of jackasses right here I haven't seen in a long time. Bunch of loons. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen a lot of weird things. Oh, yeah? Okay, uh, mm-hmm. Like, for, ex- write, for example... Write this down, write this down, buddy, get the- I don't have a pen. Oh, How am I supposed to... Yeah, write this down. I really, I really feel like uh, <laughs> some of Frank Hill stuff is like, you want to see, you want to know the weird things I've seen? I've seen President Nixon smoking grass on my front lawn. <laughs> <laughs> that happened. That definitely happened. He told me no one would believe me. <laughs> and no one has. Till you came along. Well, Tully would probably have a notepad, so he's going to take that like out of his pocket, off into the take out again. a pencil, and then hand it to Buddy. Okay. Who may or may not still be holding the dog. Um, Take oh, note, write this down. Okay. Yeah, so weird <clears throat> stuff. Yeah. 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 What what type of weird stuff do you want to know? Well, like weird stuff. Like, I don't know. Like, have you noticed okay, um, no, yeah, no, anyone that is, you know, different than they were? Like, like, it's different like, than anyone, they were. Imagine, like uh, someone, someone who is, uh, <laughs> you know, pretending to be someone they're not or some, something. For example, that's like, a good example. Yeah. Like that? Okay, so for example... Um, I was going for a walk the other night and I saw this guy screaming at the top of his lungs about something. He was mad and he had a tire iron and he tried to attack us. Like that kind of stuff, like real weird, even more weird than a president in Canada. (laughs) Like, have you seen... uh... I don't think I believe that story. (laughs) Have you seen Shadow People? Uh, I'm still watching. I've seen Shadow People. Yeah? You have? Yeah. From a house, I saw them, saw their shadows against the, the mansion. I came over and I couldn't see anyone. Hold on. And then I kicked or something. <laughs> I thought it was a rock, but then it yelled out, Ow, why'd you kick me? It's just a darn kid. 
Okay. And that kid, Barack Obama. <laughs> Youngin' Barack Obama. Smart little lad. I bet he's gonna be a president one day. <laughs> I can see his future. He's gonna be a president. <laughs> Can be a good one. I'm pretty sure you're Canadian as well, right? What? Sorry. We're in Canada. What are you talking about? Hold on. So, backtracking before you kick the child. How many shadows did you see, Frank? <laughs> this is very important. I can't remember. This was six years ago. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, Frank. <laughs> I don't remember. It was like it was like a day ago. But probably more like six Six days. Years. God damn it, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. I think Okay, was it maybe more? one shadow? With a few eh hands. <laughs> How many hands? Like two? <laughs> Buddy, you talk to him. Um, oh, okay, uh, Frank. Hold on, no, actually, hang on. Before I do that, you can I'm make. Gonna, you have. Yeah, I'm gonna actually roll like questioning. Yeah, now. Roll, yeah, yeah, roll some dice. Roll some dice. Roll some. Which is dice. persuasion, so I get advantage. Uh, but just as well. Uh, so it's a seven plus four intelligence, which is ten. Okay, uh, you can tell that Frank is an old man who's pretty insane. Um, but you can assume, due to that insanity, he is incredibly honest. Yeah. Like, everything he is telling you, he completely believes. And I was like, that's just the case. Mike is furiously not. That's what I've seen. That's why it's happened. Yeah. So you think if you can get actual information out of him, it could be the most reliable information. Sure. Um, ooh, ask him about uh, Mr. Bates. Okay. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, see, you should be leaving this investigation. All right. Uh, so, Mr. Bates. So, Mr. Do Bates. You know do you is? know who Mr. Bates? Um, oh, sorry. No, I, I cut you I off. No, you I'm so sorry. I thought you too. were going to. No, I was well, just saying it was a good I suggestion. I've yeah. seen him before. Oh, you've seen him? He didn't see me. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's, that's true. good. Yeah. Well done, Frank. Yeah, Yeah, I know. He's a, like a city man, right? Doesn't, doesn't live in the country. But yeah, yeah, I've seen him around. He's getting all. Close up on those Mendoza types. That sounds horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> how long has he been? Very how... close. <laughs> how long has he been in town? A uh, couple of. Couple of. Couple, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. That's fantastic. <clears throat> okay, uh, Frank, now? you. <laughs> shockingly, you appear to be a man of. Um, Great intellect and uh, honesty. Well, honesty. He's yeah. a, a good judge of character, yeah. right? What would be your estimation? Tully is trying not to look into <laughs> Frank's one eye. What would be your estimation of Mr. Bates's character as a as a person, apart from his you know relations with the council? I bet he irons his pants. I bet he doesn't even cook. <laughs> what does that mean? What does it mean? He's from the city. <laughs> That's what it means. But he doesn't even have a driver's license. Wonder well, if he, he can is, even shoot a gun. He is blind, like so no, I don't gun. think. 
okay. Or put that down. Put that down. Okay. Where you? Where'd you come from? Who sent you? Was it Orlando? That guy's always on my back. I've tried to shoot him many times, but he's too quick. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Tully uh, looks from Frank's quivering asymmetrical face to Bud and like squints his eyes. Orlando. You mean the the city? No, the guy. The guy who owns Salem's Lodge, you know, the lodge. He's real crazy. I wouldn't yeah. trust that man. He's a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> we sometimes get along. I don't know why. No, I would have no idea. I really. He's crazy. Yeah, he sounds. He sounds like a crazy. So did you just yeah. say he owns the lodge? Yeah, I didn't know he. I thought. What's our friend's what, name? Wasn't John, it? I thought John. John, John Campbell owned yeah, the lodge. Yeah, I thought John. So, so this Orlando owns the lot. Does he live there? Or does he live somewhere else? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he lives there. Lives at the lodge. He also lives at the caravan park. <laughs> I see him there. Whenever he sees me, he starts running banana in a zigzag motion to try and dodge my bullets. He does like a little snake dance thing. <laughs> <laughs> Star city slickers. <laughs> So he lives in two places at once. He comes from money. He owns a lodge. <laughs> so where, okay, where should I go if I want to talk to him? The caravan park. Probably he spends a lot of time there. Doing something, I don't know. I wouldn't, wouldn't go there though. Okay. Place sucks. He's <laughs> <laughs> got no ambience. You can't even hear the birds. Right. Smells like ducks. Frank's then going to gesture with his gun. Now get going before I start making you dance. You guys start, as he's still like pointing the gun directly <laughs> at you, you guys start to like move around to the side of the house. Uh, buddy, you call the dog over to you. There's now answering to basically whatever name you give it. Um, and you guys are almost out of sight when Frank calls back. Did you see someone? Did you see? Yeah, no, I, I, I yeah, no, so, oh, I thought you saw him. No, yeah, no, I, yeah, 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 yes, I saw someone. Uh, they, they ran that way. It was a, it was a woman. She ran that way. I think that's who broke the glass. She went that way. Better guess going. And take your car with you. Looks like the sun has started driving its way on the road. I hate it. I can't even see. I'm partially blind, and then you bring that thing over there, reflecting the sun like a. Like a sun. <laughs> Tully is just trying to think of how he would leave without taking the car with him. Okay, you guys uh, get back on the track that you already carved through the path, through the uh, long grass, and continue making your way along. Uh, what you don't see is Frank relax a little bit, and he goes down the steps from the balcony down onto the kind of grass again, and he walks to his little hut, which border is just on the very edge of the forest, near the area where you saw that woman run off to. He places, he unloads the gun, places it inside, and slams the door. And he pulls a long-bladed knife from his pocket and begins to head into the forest after the woman.
My fellow gamers, have you heard about the Dark Tides Patreon at patreon.com slash darktides? The best place for the Dark Tides Patreon stuff to be found is the Dark Tides Patreon, which you can find on the Dark Tides Patreon.com slash Dark Tides Patreon slash Dark Tides. Check it out, it's a good time. You get in your car and you begin to tear back down Joint Avenue to the main street. Tuck and Olivia, you are in the flower shop. The The owners are currently out. Uh, the shop was closed, so it's kind of thrown a, a, a cog in your plan to ask them some questions. And you're staying around trying to work out what to do, trying to work out where everyone went to try and maybe meet up when the phone rings. Bring, bring. Who on earth would know that we're here right now? Bring, bring. It's a shop. I want to talk to the owners of the shop. Bring, bring. I'm, just no, I'm fine. I, I, Tuck picks up the phone. Hello? Is this. Is Liv there? Who? Liv. No. Oh. Excuse you, I can hear them. Oh, I can oh hear you mean them. okay? Yes. It's okay. Is your name Liv? Yeah, my name's Olivia. Oh, it's AK. Tuck, get off the phone. Hey, sorry, just a real quick question. Not care. for any particular reason. Are you blonde? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, just checking. Um, it's your sister. I'm also younger than you Cousin. in case you're alive. Yeah. Hello. How are you, you going, AK? I haven't seen you in days. Good, good. Um, I have some information I should tell you before it gets to you in other directions because I need you guys to be smart. With this information I'm about to give you. Okay, good thing that you're talking to me then yes. and not Tuck. Yes, I'll talk to you. Um, so you know that guy uh, at the car park? The Norman Weaver guy? Oh, yeah? He's alive. What? He is being held at the Mercy Clinic. Is he Is he in handcuffs at all? Or like yeah, he's, on he's lockdown? cuffed to his bed, but he is... Alive. <gasps> Turns out that Mr. Bates guy doesn't really know how to kill a person very well. So he's he was out. Uh, doctors are amazed because basically his entire lower jaw is gone, but he's still going. Okay. Um. <sighs> Do you want to put Tuck on? I can talk to Tuck. Um. Sorry, I'm just having flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um. Uh, actually, we'll just put you on like in between our ears so that you can talk to both of us at the same time. Tuck, oh, great. get over I get here. Half of Tuck. Hi, <laughs> Tuck. Half's all you need. Yes. What do you want? Um. So, uh, Norman Weaver is still Who's alive. That? He's the guy from the car park. Smash jaw, all of that. Yeah. Where is he? He's at Mercy's Clinic. So the reason I'm telling you this is so that you guys find out before other people, but I'm telling you guys this because I do not want you to go and see him. You don't need to tell the others or anything like that, but I want you to be smart with this information and not get aggravated or anything like that. But I just thought you guys should know before it starts getting printed or starts circulating in gossip. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for letting us know, AK. 
I gotta go. Alright. Mm-hmm. You hear like the sound of a, of, a, of man in the background. Amelia, the printer's not working. <laughs> yeah, I gotta go. Bye. Bye, Amelia. Um, Liv is gonna put down the phone and then immediately think I need to rally everyone because this changes everything. Everyone in our group needs to know. Um, the only knowledge that she has of whereabouts is where Jess would be. Mm-hmm. And that's it. You then see a yellow rental streaking past with a uh, disgruntled looking Labrador sticking its head out the window, staring at you. <laughs> <laughs> as the car slowly, it's done, the car looks a bit beat up as it starts like slowly going up the main street. Okay, um, Tuck, can you grab the guys? I'll call Jess. Mm-hmm. Tuck is looking behind the counter for if they have like a toolkit that they would use for like doing small repairs and things. Uh, no, but there's a set of like fabric shears, which are those long, big, heavy scissors for like cutting fabric to then wrap them up in, like cloth and stuff. Mm. Not even meaning to be malicious, Tuck is just gonna like um, jam them into the, the desktop. Like, oh, I don't need these. These are not what I was looking for. He's just gonna jam them into the desktop and leave them. Tuck! This is where I work! You work here? Yes! Why? The this place couple, is a dump. The old couple gave me a job, and that's more than you can say for yourself. I can give you a job. You don't even. Right, I'm going to the hardware store. No, I want a hammer. You, you need to rally up the guys. Bud and Tully, they just sped past. I need to call Jess. We need to regroup. How? Okay, how long have you known me for? Uh, your car is stalled in the middle of the street, <laughs> just in front of the flower shop. All right, I'll... The order has <laughs> stalled. You need to push down the clutch to switch. Oh, no! no! I hear that noise. The manual driver's just died inside. Yeah. Liv just looks at him, like, gestures towards him, gestures towards the stalling car, being like, it couldn't be more simple. You can walk past them, let them know to come into the shop, and then go to the hardware store. We need to get Jess as well. I know, Fine. I'm gonna call her. He walks out, he's, he's walking out the door, he grabs one of the pot plants that's like, I'm assuming there's like display one. <laughs> yeah. Liv's gonna too, grab it out of his hands. No, no, all right, wait, wait, opposing yeah. for Oppose. the, opposed combat. Opposed for the basil. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, it's sad. Um, so it would be physical or combat? Physical, because more uh, strength thing. You're not fighting. Yeah. Oh dang, it's a six. Uh, uh, uh. And I'm just gonna. I'm. You feel your nails like <laughs> down it. Oh. Like Step out into the street. Um, and I upend the pot plant on the 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 dash of the car, like oh. on the windscreen of the car. Um, Tully, who is looking very confusedly at the gear stick, he's like, "Wait, I think I heard something break." <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Um, you hear... But what off, are we going to do? You hear off in the distance, Mendoza. Ah, that's a riot. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. That's a riot. Do it again. <laughs> at this point, Buddy's, Buddy turns Whoa! off... <laughs> Buddy turns off the car at this point. <laughs> Push the clutch. <laughs> All right, so... Think, let's, think, have you we, even driven a manual before? We're going to have to get out and push it, I think. And then just the windscreen is just black. That is uh, potting soil Wait, spread that across happen? it. Did you know that? How we would did, I do that? We didn't right. hit something. Is the, have you, did you have the windows open? 
Yeah, no, we do. The dog. Oh, the dog. The dog. All right, Tuck just sticks his head through, like at the window. Like, oh, Idiots. Oh, Go to the hardware store. What? Nice Why? dog. <laughs> hardware store. Idiot. Yeah, I got that much. Thank you very much. Why? It's just walking. <laughs> okay. Uh, I guess we go to the hardware store. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to go to the hardware store? Okay, with all of this conversation, Liv would have called Jess. Yep, is anyone going to call Willow one chance? No. Oh, she might. <laughs> Look. Who? <laughs> nah, screw Willow. We're calling Jess. Right. <laughs> hey, Tully, should we stop by to pick up Willow on our way to the no, hardware store? No, I don't store? think so, because That's Tuck so would have terrible. mentioned Willow if he needed us Look, to get okay. her. Look, okay. He's probably so, let her know already. Let's L- just go to the hardware store. Liv would have called Jess because she has the keys for the hardware store. Yep. Um, so she's called Jess by this point with all of this kerfuffle going on outside. Yeah, she's explained Norman yeah. in the medics clinic and that they need to regroup. And then she would have walked outside, seen the guys and been like, all right, first of all, potting soil. <laughs> and then we need to pick up Willow before we go to the hardware store. Okay. I'll push oh, you guys are drive. We all, we're all meeting at the hardware store? I yeah. assume we're in the yes. main street, so it wouldn't yeah, you're be far in the main away. Street. Yeah. 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 So the, the car begins to tear up off the road, past the, hard, the um, hardware store. Potting mix flinging off yeah. in every direction. Pot- no! Potting mix going everywhere. Wait, wait, is the, the window mix. shattered from the pot landing on it? No, no, I no. turned the pot upside down, so it, it just dropped the plant. Oh, so there's okay. a strawberry oh. plant that's like basil. stuck in basil. your windscreen wiper. Yeah, basil. Liv has cleared that up and like put it back in the shop lot. Buddy's reaching around trying to pull a piece of basil out from under the windscreen bit. <laughs> Point that I'm out. Just driving like with my head out the <laughs> window. This like like to the. To and the... this is why we have accidents, bud. This is this right here is why. No, okay? We have accidents because dogs suddenly put their paws on your shoulder Pay and attention. you aren't ready for that, that level of sign. intimacy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you turn up to the car park and you see Willow uh, is in like the lounge area through one of the open windows books just scattered everywhere she's going through one you see her just rip a page out of one of them and slap it into her folder slam it closed and chuck it to the side and go to the next one um she looks out the window and sees you guys all turn up and like tuck gesturing at her and all sorts of stuff she like shrugs a little bit and then gets up and gets into the car you guys start heading down to Harlow Hardware all together. Very squishy in this one car, this very small car. It's meant to fit four people. You're all crammed in here. We have a dog. <laughs> <laughs> the dog is bigger than most of us. The dog's bigger than most of you. The dog refused to get in the boot. <laughs> it's, uh, it just didn't get out of the car. Try to get in the boot. <laughs> He's What's driving, that? Tuck. How is he going to Fine, I'm boot? getting in the boot. All right, cool. Buddy is also just it's handing just smoke out. Coming Don't out of the suffocate. Boot. Closes the lid. Buddy's handing out cookies to like some oat, oat Buddy, cookies. Buddy, drive the goddamn car, <laughs> okay? Like you need to. Please. We haven't eaten today. I do not want to get in another accident because you. One, he knocks over a stop sign. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am driving. That was his, a very uh, flimsy Sheriff stop Whitaker sign. standing on the corner. Yeah, smoking. Sheriff Whitaker is smoking <laughs> at the corner where he knocked the street stop sign off. He's looking very light, pale, and jittery, and just doesn't notice you guys at all. <laughs> Give me the where, biscuits. Where are, we, I will... where are we going? <laughs> you... no, the hardware yeah, Where is it? Buddy? Where else? Would... Where, where am I? Like, where am I going? Okay, Which direction? Remember that stop sign you went through? Yes. Remember the second we stop sign you went through? We cut forwards to them at Harlow <laughs> Hardware. 
Um, Jess Come on, man, it's a good bit. It's a good bit. Yeah, no, it's not. Jess has been busy for the past hour and a bit. She went to her parents and then quickly came back here. Uh, everyone else has been doing all their stuff uh, while she's been at uh, Hello Hardware. What have you been making, Jess? Ooh, this is this is. Fun. As they, are these guys become like traipsing in, the the store is still closed, so there's no one in here. So Jess is kind of just sitting in the middle of this hardware store with just assortments of equipments. You see, like a a push mower that's been turned on its end, and like the blade's been like taken off, mm-hmm. all stuff, stuff, just like brazen demolishing of equipment. Like there's probably thousands of dollars of stuff around her. Hundred percent. One second, I'm trying to find the group chat because I'm putting it in the group chat. Wow. Um, so, (laughs) everyone looks at their fans. So you see Jess, her hair is tied up, but it basically looks like it isn't because her hair is slowly falling out of her ponytail. Um, so you see a long-handed shovel that has the edges serrated. So she's gone with an angle grinder (laughs) and like cut in like triangles. Um, you see a sharpened pitchfork, like this razor sharp points um you see a baseball bat with a drop saw blade like just shoved straight down the center of it um another one with some nails and screws because classic um yeah you see a crowbar with a knife just welded to the top so you know how it curves and then it just has like a point of a knife um then you see a spear what is just a pole that she's disassembled some head shears so big old blade that she's then welded onto this pole. You see that? Uh, she's made a rudimentary shield, like just big old, like meter and a half by meter, like uh, shield thing that's like sheet metal and plywood. Um, then you just see, now this is when it gets really fun. Uh, viewers, please do not recreate any of these things at home. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you see a whippersnipper with barbed wire in it. Um, you just see a chainsaw that's been like spray painted for like fun colors because she's like, I don't need to modify this. Um, you see a pole saw, what is a massive, like the the hedge clipper that's like on a massive pole. Yeah, you see that and it's got like some stuff on the side, like some nails as well. Um, you see a weed killer, what is like, it's basically a small blowtorch, but she has, you see the safety has been knocked off. So you look at that and you know that it's going to spread like a good two meter like flame. Um, And then you see an electric fence just kind of lying around and she's tinkering with it while you guys enter. So that is what Jess has been doing in the like two hours. Liv just gravitates towards the the weed killer and she's like, how far does it? Is it like two meters? Yeah. (gasps) Oh my goodness. Why are you I using the metric? Oh, wait, no, we Tully. are in Canada. We do use the metric system. That goes mm. like three stones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Um, a lot of wallabies. That's like a quarter of an Olympic swimming pool. Yeah, so she's mm, also got like her jacket off. She is a full on mess and she does not look okay. Uh, Tully is just like scratching his head with his hands on his hips, just very like unbelievingly at all these horrible, <laughs> dangerous weapons that you've created. He's looking around, he's like, Jess, I, I mean, I don't mean, like you've been working pretty hard on this. Thanks. Um, these look like they're going to kill us more quickly than anything we try and attack with them. No, 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 no. Okay. And he's going to pick up the shield. <laughs> he's like, I'm going to take this. <laughs> 
This is mine now. Thank All you. Right. Willow reaches into her jacket and pulls out a snub nose revolver. Ooh. And she hands it to Tully. And it's like, yeah, go to the shield. Where did you get a gun from, Willow? She like smiles at you. Yes. Uh, anyway, uh, how did you make a whippersnipper with barbed wire? Tully looks again oh, that's at really all of the horrible, dangerous machines, Weep. and he just like <laughs> takes the takes the gun and nods. He's like, "Thank you." Yeah. Puts it in your pocket. Tuck is just... also. I will point out, Jess hasn't told anyone else about Mister Bates. Only Tully knows. Yeah, I'm Tully yeah. knows. So Liv is just going to walk over to the flamethrower. She's going to start putting it on like a backpack. <laughs> She's like, this will do nicely. Um, Jess, what what did your parents end up saying about getting out of here? <laughs> they're staying. Yep, they're, they're staying. <laughs> yeah. oh, but not, this... not for long though, right? Uh, I, I don't know. Oh, you, I don't... Two, you two have spoken about this? Yeah, yeah, yeah no. Yeah. yeah, they're staying with Mr. Bates. Oh, what? Yeah. Well, well, actually, Mr. Bates is staying with them, technically. Technically, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Should we tell them about Norman? Who's Norman? Weaver, the guy with the crushed jaw. Oh, yeah. Uh, hey, Jess, do you know what will make you feel better? <laughs> what? And she's, like, playing with her hair now to, like, try and calm herself down. She is on the verge of a mental Tuck, breakdown. I think maybe bringing him up again is not... A good idea for her mental health right Staring now. Staring Tully in the eyes. Because We're gonna kill him. You're gonna go. Can kill I have him? this one? He's pointing at the crowbar with the knife. <laughs> yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, go thanks. For it. He takes that, and the only other thing he's what? grabbing, he's getting um, uh, like hand wrap tape that you would use for hockey players or on yes. your fingers, and a roll of duct tape. And he's starting to do wrap his fingers for grip. What do you mean you're gonna go kill him? Yeah. Is he was. Is he, isn't he dead? Yeah, Mr. Bates. Apparently, he's alive. <clears throat> yeah. What? Sin? Hold. No. Wait. What? He's at the um, clinic. Uh, the hu- Willow the is like looking what? up at the ceiling, and she's like, "Yeah, I guess crushing someone's jaw probably doesn't really kill them." Right. Tucky's just swinging the crowbar in like an arc. Wait. Hold. So you're saying that the man. Mm-hmm. Who is responsible for killing Jack? Mm-hmm. He's not dead. He's gonna be. And yes. you, he points at Tuck, are suggesting we go find him. No, Tully. I'm saying I'm gonna go kill him. I don't care what you're doing. No, you're not. No. Yes, Tully. <laughs> yes. This is non-negotiable. I there agree. is a no in between not, here. None of us are going anywhere near the insane psychopathic killer who cut our best friend in half, okay? No one is going near him. Liv in the background I'm- is making a call to AK, just whispering into the phone, being like, so, uh, you know how you said to stay away from that guy? Yeah, we're going. Um, if anything happens to me, just tell my parents I love them. I know. Well, you're going to have a rough time with that because T is already there. All those guys are already there. They know about it. That's the reason why we found out from him. I was able to get a bit of it from that Gideon guy. They're stationed there. So you guys are going to have a fun time trying to get in. And I'm going there now as well. There's no, I'm not letting you. What was your plan here? What's your plan here, Luke? We have homemade weapons. Oh, I love it. I love it. It's great. All right. 
Uh, have fun trying to get those into a hospital. I'll see you there. <laughs> okay. She hangs up. Um, Tuck, I'm assuming that uh, uh, Jess is still behind the counter. Well, actually, no. Like, she's kind of sitting in the middle of the hardware. She's, like, oh, okay. pulled everything to, like, the side. side and has thrown everything on the ground. Like, she's actually put the close sign, but, like, the door is unlocked. Yeah. If you saunter in, we'll just see Jess, like, having a full-on mental breakdown just on the floor. Um, she's yeah. finished working on the electric fence, by the way. Um, <laughs> you, you touch that, you die, uh, basically. All right. Uh yeah. Tuck's going to kind of crouch down like a, a baseball backstop and tap the ground with the... Crowbar knife. Crowbar knife. Crow, crow knife. knife. Crow knife. Crow knife. <laughs> the knife crow. Barblade. Listen. Barblade. <laughs> the return of the Beyblade. Listen, Jess. Um... Mm. Nothing we can do is going to make this better we can't bring Jack back but I for one do believe in mob justice <laughs> and I want to know if this guy can still talk I'm interested to hear anything he has to say before I kill him right now I'm not interested in anything else I'm not going to say that you have to come but the weapon catalogue here would suggest that you want to do something. How would you guess that? It, yeah. Mercy Creek has done so much that I'm just... Yeah, you know what? Yeah. Let's go kill him. Oh, and also, by the way, Mr. Bates really, really likes you. You keep running into him, and you know what? He thinks he's special, so, you know... Um... Maybe you're next. Who knows? Hmm. I don't think I've met the guy before. All right. Well, you know, he's just chatting up to my father. Living, living, That's weird. Living in my old brother's room. But yeah. They're having this conversation and Liv hears Mr. Bates and she's like, oh, right. He's staying at the parent. Okay. Her parents' place. I'm going to call it her parents' place. She calls her parents' place. Is he there? Well, you hear her mum answer. Yeah. Hello. Hello, Hi. residents. Hi, um, this is Liv. Why is this the... Liv, this is the number for the hardware store. Yeah, yeah, we're currently with Jess at the hardware store. I just wanted to ask... Oh, God. Um... <laughs> <laughs> she hired you guys? Not to be... I don't mean to be rude, but... No, like, she we didn't... can't afford to bring she, on new she employees. She hire us. We're just hanging out with her. Okay. Um, I just wanted to know, is Mr Bates there? Mr. Bates? Oh, no, he left in a hurry. Do you know where to? Oh, he, he's, always, he's, he's always talking, but he, eh, I kind of stunned so now. Um, no, he just he left. A uh, car came and picked him up. Yeah. Hmm. Well, thank you, Miss Harlow. Um, Mrs. Harlow. I'll, I'll talk to you later. Alrighty, bye-bye. Bye. Alright, so, who's with me? Okay. Jess? Tuck. I know we've all had a pretty big couple of days and a lot of stuff has happened. I'm not saying that finishing this is a bad thing, okay? I'm not saying, like, but 
the last time we were all together and we all decided to go off on our own and fix a problem that we thought we could fix that we didn't know anything about. We lost Floyd. And then we came back here because Jack wanted us because he wanted us to help him fix a problem that we didn't understand and we went off on our own and now he's dead. I can't stand here in good conscience unless my only friends walk into a trap and get themselves killed without at least trying something. I know I know we're all upset. I know we're all angry. Just talk I I'm angry. But can we just think about this, please? Willow is standing at the sliding doors. Where she, the point where she's standing, it's triggering the trigger, and so they're sliding open and then closing <laughs> and sliding open. And she's looking up at the sky across the car park, and you can see that the weather is worsening. The wind is picking up, and the sky is starting to get darker and cloudier as fog is beginning to move into town. You realise it's getting into that awkward, that awkward period in autumn where you're no longer getting those golden afternoons. You're seeing fog starting to come over the town and she calls out to you guys we're wasting time the darker it gets the more in danger we'll be what, what, what do you mean by that Willow? I'm saying I don't think those shadow things can really operate in the day well because Norman, Norman Weaver was standing right next to Mr Bates on a sunny day and he didn't do anything so the longer we, we, we wait, him. I think the more in danger uh, we're going to be. I might have some news that everyone should know. Um, Mr. Bates <laughs> isn't at the Harlow residence anymore. He left in a car like half an hour ago. Great. Fantastic. Jess, it's a good thing. It means that he's not near your parents right now. I know, but... It means he's probably at the hospital, which is more reason for us to not go to the hospital. Tully. Exactly. <clears throat> Let me make something really, really clear. You're right. We didn't know what we were getting into the first time. And we didn't know what we are getting into the second time. What I'm proposing is that we go and find out what we're getting into from the only guy who can tell us. And look, if AK is right, all of those special agent guys are at the hospital. I'm not that dumb. I don't think I can take them. But I'm going to try and get some answers. I want to know what's going on just as much as you do. I just don't want to be the only one alive who knows what's going on. You don't get to control that. None of us do. You could have a heart attack. I could get hit by a car. Buddy could poison us all. Like, look. <laughs> when it's your time, it's your time. You don't get to pick it. No, but you, that doesn't mean you go walking into a trap. Why don't we set up a trap? Look, I have? think... Okay, look. I think <clears throat> if we can agree on anything in this situation, Tully... It's the special agent guys are the ones on our side and they're the ones there. They've got him. We're going to the people who were at least protected us and we want to know some answers. It's not like we're going into Mr. Bates's lion's den of who knows what and saying, hey, tell us the weather report. We're going to the people that already know stuff and we're demanding to know more. And we're already dealing with two things. If the tier agents are there... 
That means if Bates goes there, they'll run into him first. And I, I doubt Weaver is in a good situation, so if there's any time to actually talk to him, it'd be now. I do have at least one last thing. I talked to Mr. Bates. Just briefly. I told you not to do that. Well, I, I did, Tully. All right? Shut up. All right. Great. Fantastic. I'll just be invisible. That's all good. Yeah, good. Uh, so, he's in control of the ghosts. The persona is what he, he called it. Um, apparently, they're kind of ghosts of old time, and they're meant to be honourable, but, you know, slicing up people is so honourable. He says he has control of it. And... But he doesn't know if he can always be in control of it. And if he's going to the hospital, he might lose control of it. And it goes back to the guy who sliced our friend in half. Um, so, I don't know. I feel like if we get rid of this persona, then, you know, all the spooky, slicey things are gone. No. No. I, I... I agree with Tully on this. I don't like this. This... This is too... Familiar, and... It's... There is... I don't... We are out of time. We, we have... Already... Lost. What... We can't do anything... We are so out of our water, and, and, and depths in this situation and I don't think we should go. We should not go. Willow pauses listening to you and then makes her way over to the back of the um, desk and punches in a number and holds it to her ear for a second. Waiting. Waiting. And then puts it down. And she tells you, well, the choice has kind of been made for us. AK's already gone. She looks at Olivia. She's already on her way to the hospital. Well, I'm covering her back because she's covering mine. I want answers, not a fight. If a fight breaks out, those tier operatives, men in black, whatever, can take care of it. I'm running. But I'm covering AK's back. Yep, I- I'm going to come too. I- I'm the one who put out the traps that ended up killing Floyd. I'm the one who decided to not give a shit about what Jack said, um, and now he's gone. And you know what? I'm the one who's irresponsible and just had a bloody child ten years ago because, you know, I'm coming. Wait, hold on. We begin pulling away from Harlow Hardware as figures begin to emerge out of the entrance and towards the... uh, yellow rental car, Tully's voice of questioning echoing out as they're making their way into the car. We crane up to see the glowing lights of Mercy's Clinic far out of town, surrounded by trees, as fog begins to overtake it.
The record spun. Horace watched it closely. Wait, 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 and now. Just as the song finished and before the next can start, Horace pulls the pin up and gives a thumbs up to Clancy in the recording booth. Now that was an old favourite, folks. I remember when it first released in... 54, I believe. Some of the other oldies will probably remember that one too. Especially if you were like me and were in high school at the time. Boy, the dances we had. Anyway, folks, it's just past... Oh, 7.30, that's it. Now, I'm sure some of you have already had dinner, but uh, for me, I have my dinners late. Mostly because I'm up late keeping you company on these cool nights. Has anyone else felt the sudden cold shift as much as me? I swear my joints just ache in the mornings when the days change this suddenly. <laughs> up, Horace is rolling his eyes at me. Showing my age again, Horace. <laughs> uh, now, folks... I know we're all about having a good time here on the night shift, but I believe it is worth bringing up again on these cold, dark nights. With fog like we were having recently, please take care out there. If you're driving, especially, the roads can be slippery, and we all know how many sharp turns we have here at the creek. With the mist, they can be an absolute death trap. And for those off the roads, it's still best to be careful. Dangerous times are gripping the creek at the moment. Death of young Jack Finney is really shaking people. And there's the disappearances to boot. If you're walking home, make sure you walk with someone. If you live alone, make sure to lock the doors and even the windows. I don't want to make anyone paranoid, but if it's just you out there, you've got to be careful and look out for yourself. But for now, how about another track, Horace? Horace places the needle back down on the new record and flicks the mute button on Clancy's microphone. Clancy takes his headphones off and exhales. Oh... <sighs> I hate doing security notices. The sheriff's always giving me ones to give out, but I swear it kills the mood. Horace leans back in his chair and sips his coke. Uh, the selectmen pay us to do this. Let's not piss them off. I don't intend to. I'm just saying it's impacting my show. I'm going to make coffee. Uh, you're on in two minutes. Play a double. Horace sighs and grabs up another vinyl and sets it on the second turntable and sets it off spinning, holding the pin up while he waits for the other to finish. Clancy makes his way out of the recording room to the small break room. A woman sits in what they jokingly call the green room due to the assortment of potted plants. She is smoking out of the open window, absentmindedly swiping the air with a magazine to keep the smoke away from the fire alarm. Clancy goes over to the coffee machine, checks the temperature by tapping the pot a few times, empties it out, and begins to boil the jug. He turns to the woman. I didn't expect you to still be around, listening into the show. The woman takes a long drag on her cigarette before looking at him. Her eyes search him for a moment. No, sorry. Bashing on the car died. Shane is meant to be picking me up, but his shifted spots isn't ending for another mm, 20 minutes. Oh... I take you home myself, but you've got the show. I know, I know. I'm not bothered. You could take my car. I could walk home and grab it from you tomorrow. You just warn people to not go walking on their own, mister. You should listen to your own sermons. So you were listening. I listen whenever I hear you put on your business tone. It always sounds so fake. It pulls me in. Anyway, don't mind me. I'm enjoying the quiet. Quiet in a radio station. There is silence in noise. 
Clancy goes back to the jug, and instead of feeding it back into the percolator, he just empties a few teaspoons of old instant coffee from below the sink into the cup. He stirs it and adds his usual amount of sugar. Silence and noise, huh? There is silence in everything if you concentrate hard enough. Especially if the noise is just for show, like exchanging pleasantries. It's all just silent if you listen into it. Ah, duly noted. Oh, don't be that way. No offence meant. None taken. Hmm? I said none taken. Sorry, your, your mouth is moving, but nothing's coming out. Yes, yes, okay, I get it. Clancy turns back to the recording room as Horace enters the green room and tosses his Coke can in the bin and grabs another from the fridge. How long do I have? Another two minutes. I just put on the ads. Is that the front bell? Clancy looks around the room. Or is the microwave finally working? The woman makes to get up, but he shakes his head at her and goes to the door. No, no, no. You keep enjoying the silence. I'll have a look. Horace, if I'm not back in time, put on the ad about the new car wash. Horace gives him a thumbs up and heads back into the recording room. The woman lights another cigarette and looks out the window as a trail of smoke slithers out the window and into the darkness. Clancy passes a few of the other night owls. Fred, the repairman, is busy repairing an area of the hall after he replastered a hole he had made to change out some of the wiring the day before. Bertha is in the archive room, listening to a set of headphones as she picks out different records for the night's session. She doesn't look up as he passes. Clancy enters the reception room. It's the only room in the radio station that isn't carpeted as there's no need to try and stop reverb. The wood panelling squeaks as he walks in. Painted a creamy yellow with two fake plants on either side of the sliding door and couches on either side for people waiting. The front desk stands as the last barrier before the door into the station itself. The lights aren't on. Donna must have switched them off when she left for the night. Usually she locks the front door too, but clearly not, as a figure stands at the desk. The light on the desk is on though, casting the figure in enough light to see their general shape and the side of their face. A young woman, maybe mid-twenties, maybe a little older. Clancy had always struggled to pin down the ages of women. As soon as they were into their twenties, he could never guess an accurate age. Until they started to get grey hairs, of course. But this didn't always work, because some women dyed their hair. One of the many reasons he totally agreed with the concept that asking a woman her age was rude, as it spared him any embarrassment. Yes, uh, do you need something? The station is technically closed to the public. The woman looked up from the desk. It appeared as if she had been grinding her nail into it. Happy Halloween, she smiles at him, the light not giving much away. She had dark brown hair, maybe even black. Her eyes were as dark as her hair. Her prominent cheekbones and dark hair gave her an almost vampire-esque appearance, thought Clancy. Um, happy Halloween. Now, as I was saying... You're the host of the night shift, right? Yes. Awesome! Um, well, it is a good job. Clancy, right? That's me. That's cool, that's cool. Oh, by the way, got any idea what's going on with your town? Uh, you, you mean like the weather report or the recent murders? Hmm, I guess not. Clancy was beginning to grow both irritated and uncomfortable with all this. Listen, young lady, I have a show to get back to. How would you come back in the morning? Say it once. Say it twice. Take a chance and roll the dice. Huh? Do you know 
what's going on in your town, Clancy. Young lady, I am very busy. I have a show to get back to and... Uh, to be so close-minded. Clance, major stuff is going down in your town. Stuff that's going to shape the future. It's pretty important. You should pay more attention. Clancy just stood there and stared at her. He only now noticed a large brown paper bag at the woman's feet. And what was she wearing? He looked her up and down. Black boots that ran up to nearly her knee, but not the kind of ones that he would see those goths wearing in the city. It seemed more for hiking and shin protection than a fashion statement. She was dressed all in black, like a shadow in the night. Invisible. But he could see some notes of blue, highlights almost. The lining of her jacket, her lipstick, her fingernails. Like neon signs against the night. Well, that's who I am. Someone who pays attention. A helper. A representative for the established order. The powers that be... Once were and shall be. I'm here to make sure things fall as they should. People might try to use this tower to call for help. Hell, you might even do that. Mercy's Creek must fall silent. All lines must be cut for history to take its course. So, say it once, say it twice, take a chance and roll the dice. She holds out her hand and drops two dice onto the table. One black, one blue. They clatter as they're clearly made of metal. But not any metal that Clancy recognises. A dark metal that almost seems to be moving. They bounce, they roll, and like magnets, they come together to meet in the middle of the table. Oh dear. Snake eyes. Even from here, Clancy can see that the dice only consist of sides with single dots. What are you? Without a pause, she drew a hatchet from her jacket and throws it point-blank at his throat. He catches him, killing the words and any scream instantly. He staggers back and slowly slides down the wall till he falls to his knees, eyes bugging out and staring at the woman, hands grasping uselessly at the hatchet. The woman kneels down and pulls from the bag a carved pumpkin, a jack-o'-lantern, only slightly bigger than her head. She puts it on, and he can no longer see her face through the cut-open smile or the glaring eyes. He should be able to see her face through the holes carved in the pumpkin, but it is as if her head had completely disappeared as soon as it entered the pumpkin. He can only see the glow of a single candle from within. The pumpkin leers at him. She crawls along the floor in a disjointed way, climbing over the reception desk, then the chair before scuttling along the floor to reach him. She takes the hatchet by the handle as blood soaks his shirt and hands. The dice decree it. Oh, this? She sees his eyes looking at the pumpkin. Life's no fun without a good scare. Now then, happy Halloween. She grabs the hatchet and wrenches it out of his neck. He collapses forwards and begins to bleed out fully now, slowly going pale as he watches from the floor as she makes her way to the door. She looks back at him. She snickers and gives him the peace sign and then pushes through the door. The lights of the hall flicker as she walks in. Fred turns around as she enters. He makes to take a few steps back, but she's on top of him before he can do anything. 
She grabs him by the back of the head and slams it into the wall, breaking a hole open. She grabs a handful of the wires he had just repaired, slices them with the hatchet. They don't affect her at all. She then grabs his head again and rams it back into the wall. His body convulses as a charred smell fills the room. He quickly goes limp. She continues, darting now into the archive room. The lights flash. In one of the flashes, we see a silhouette of the two women. We see in stilted movements with each flash as she approaches the older and punches her fist through her chest. She quickly emerges back into the hallway, Fred's body twitching and sizzling. Blood drips from her arm, stained red up to the elbow. She continues into the green room, kicking the door open. We see for a moment the two women struggling, the jack-o'-lantern pushing her back and holding her head outside the window she'd been smoking through. The door slowly swings closed. There is then a gruesome sound as the window is slammed shut with such force. We hear bones snap and a body fall to the floor. We don't see the outcome. As we move further along the corridor, the younger woman emerges from the green room and continues up the corridor, now splattered with blood. She reaches the recording room and enters. Horace turns, expecting to see Clancy, but jumps to his feet at the sight of the jack-o'-lantern. The woman grabs him. He is younger and stronger than the others, so he puts up more of a fight, but she wrestles him down till his head is against the desk. We see her almost lazily drift her fingers over the controls of the station, muting and switching everything off, pulling out cords, snapping off levers, smashing screens, before taking her hatchet and slowly raising it into the air. Horace struggles, shouting, begging. We cut to the door as the woman leaves. We follow her through the corridor, through the destruction as a puddle of blood seeps from the archive room and from the green room, and the smoke is beginning to rise from the body of the repairman as his body continues to convulse. She steps over Clancy, white as a ghost, but his eyes still follow her. He coughs and finally speaks. She pauses at the sliding door before turning to him. It's nothing personal, clients. I swear. It's just my job, you know. Anyway, happy Halloween. She exits into the dark of the night as Clancy coughs and splutters before finally bleeding out. We turn back through the corridor again and into the recording room where we find the head of Horace slowly spinning on the record player table single lit candle in his mouth, the only light left on in the room.
My fellow gamers, it's me, Chester. I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Everpleasant Mr. Bates. It was a lot of fun to record, a lot of fun to edit. It was a little bit was a little spooky, a little scary. Uh, but first, not first, lastly, we need to thank our wonderful patrons. So for Dark Tides, we don't do sponsorships, we don't do ads, we don't do anything like that. We are completely funded by the wonderful fans that support us and allow us to create this show and all that type of wonderful stuff is all thanks to you guys. You do this for us. It's incredible. Also, some of them are making a Dark Tides wiki, which is incredible because um, using the, the Wikipedia stuff is absolute hell. Uh, and But they're pushing through and they've done some cool stuff. If you would like to be a part of this community, you can also uh, jump over to the Reddit, r slash Dark Tides. But the best way is to join Patreon, join our discord all that type of stuff check out bonus episodes all that type of business but yeah that's the best way you can support us and i would like to thank some of those people well all those people starting of course with our most newest person which is undercommon arts they are an incredible artist who has made some amazing uh, art for us it is wonderful to see uh, and they're heaps of fun on the Discord as well. Thank you so much for joining and being a part of this. Uh, next is number 27. I don't... <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> that's, the, that's the name. Then, of course, Snacky Boy, Flower, Julita, uh, Red Panda, Lexi Norman, David, uh, Mikal, Glennis, Jackson, uh, Spixy, and our oldest and best and most favorite patron, which is Angela. Thank you, Angela. You are a bro, you are a saint, and you are fam. You are invited to all the family meetings, events, all that type of stuff. Every time me and Aubrey have an argument, you are invited to take sides. Uh, yeah. Thanks, guys. <laughs> um, if you want to join in on all this fun stuff, head over to patreon.com slash darktides. We have many different tiers. We've just made them cheaper as well, so... It's more accessible than ever. You can join for just a month and like blast through all the previous stuff and say hi on the Discord. And yeah, we understand everyone's financial situation is different, but supporting us would be incredible. And it allows us to make more stuff and different varied stuff and all that type of fun business. So nice. Thanks, gamers. Bye.